No, I, I do not Twitter. Um, I'm too busy Instagramming. Um, I just found out that word tonight, um, so I wanted to use it before I forgot it. <laughs> Instagram. Um, I, I promise that we will, um, we will move away from verses 1 and 2 next week. Um, but I, I've got one more, um, one more set of things that I'd like to say about, um, really, really verse two, but let me read verses one and two of, um, Romans 15. So, um, you can tell that I didn't make this up. Um, Paul says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. I, I said last week that there's a principle contained in those two verses, and the principle is we who are in the position of strength are the ones that have to do the giving. And the giving gets old. You know, um, um, we give and we give, and you, you ultimately get tired of giving. And... Um, um, but that doesn't deny the fact that the principle is is true. Um, we who are strong are to use that strength for the um, in the interest of and for the benefit of uh, those who are weak. That's what we looked at last week. Um, so tonight, say again. Oh, I don't know how to erase it. <laughs> um, um, you hit this button here. Well, I tell you what, just leave it up there. Yeah, it, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just hope this is the right kind of thing to use with this thing. Okay. Um, I, I want to introduce you to a word tonight, a Greek word. Uh, it'll make you feel real smart and, and it shows you that I do have a seminary education. Um, 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 now, does everybody feel smart? Um, it's the word oikodome. It's, um, a, the, the Greek language does this a lot with, uh, with words. It takes two words and puts them together and makes a new word. The word oiko um, or oikos, um, oh, this is, this is a wonderful device, um, <coughs> Means house, and um, and then this this last half of the, the the word. This is a noun, by the way. Um, the last half of the word uh, is a is a verb form of the word to build. Um, to build a house, like a domeus, is a, to build a house. <clears throat> I draw your attention to that word. Because it's found in verse 2, and I, and I think it says a lot. I mean, I think it says a lot about what it means. Let each of us, and I bet you could pick out which word it is, let each of us please his neighbor for his good. To oikodome. To build him up. You know, to take something from the ground floor and, and develop it into something that's, that's useful and, 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 and good and, and beneficial, you know, it's, um, we're called to, like a dome, 
to build a house with each other. That is, um, I, I'm not, uh, I, I'm being asked to, uh, to, to, uh, to please my neighbor in such a way that he gets built up. And some of your translations have the word edify in them, and it's a good word, but it doesn't, it doesn't give you the sense of, of the Greek term. To build the house. We're house builders. We're supposed to be building houses of each other. Now, um, now, before we get too far into this, I want to draw your attention to something else that Paul stated in this same argument, but it's in verse 14. Excuse me, it's in chapter 14, verse 20. Where, um, where he says, and, and I, I alluded to this, I think, last week, but do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Uh, everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Okay, I, I want to draw your attention to this. Do not forsake, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. One of these days when you when you got a lot of time on your hands and you have access to my library, um, you can go in there and just pull down all of the commentaries on the book of Romans. And I must have 12 of them. So just stack them all up and, and start reading on, on verse uh, chapter 14, verse 20. And see what these commentarians do with the idea of destroy the work of God. Now think about that for a second. Can we really? I mean, could we really destroy the work of God in somebody? I don't know. <laughs> I'll say this, the, um, the commentarians are all over the map concerning what that's supposed to mean. Um, but, but this much we can say, guys, it ain't good. I mean, that's pretty, I mean, it's damaging. You know, um, here's what we're called to do in 15.2, but you can do the opposite of that. You can, you know, oikodome destroy. <laughs> you can destroy oikodome. Now, um, I, I don't know what to tell you about. Do you mean to tell me that by my foolishness is that I could so harm you that the work of God would be utterly destroyed in you. You know, I had trouble saying that. and I, I'm not sure that's what the Apostle Paul meant. But I, I'm telling you, no, um, I'm, I'm not even trying to... I'm just trying to tell you guys that what we're called to is to build, and what we do do sometimes is destroy. So what I want to do with you tonight is that I just want to give you five ways that we destroy and two ways that we build. Five things that that are um, that are destructive to spiritual progress in each to other people or to each other, however you want to say it. Um, I'm going to start with the with the the five ways that we destroy, that we harm, that we damage, that we do that we overturn house building. You know, we dig up stuff instead of pouring foundations, that kind of thing. Now, the first three that I want to mention in terms of the five that I want to list, the first three come right out of this discussion. Um, this whole argument that Paul started in 14.1, uh, there are things that he says in here throughout this argument of his that are... Um, that are damaging. That he that he uh, that he uh, that he attacks in here. And and all I'm saying is, they are things that instead of oikodomeing, 
They do the opposite, whatever that is. Okay? Here's the first one. Um, I could call this a lot of things. But in my opinion, and this is one opinion among many, but the thing that makes the Christian church the most ugly to the outside onlooking world is our eagerness to be hypercritical of one another. Or the, the word that I think really communicates is judgmental. Um, severe in our assessments of, of each other. Nothing makes us uglier. Nothing makes us more unappealing to an outside world than a bunch of people who name the name of Christ who pick at each other and do so rather severely, who love to make harsh judgments about people's failings. You know, um, um, I'll, I'll tell you just a quick story. This happened to me recently, but... Um, um, and, and I'm telling you, I, I, I think it's very applicable to a lot of us. You know, sitting out in this room tonight, there's some, there's some nice people. Not very nice, but, you know, kind of nice. Um, some nice people who really want to do right. Who really want to be good employees and employers. In particular, they want to be good parents. They want to be, they do everything they can to just really do that parenting thing well. Mm. And um, then, somewhere along the line, somebody blows up. One of the kids does something. I was just in a, as I said recently, but, um, I mean, this, this sweet couple, I mean, they did everything. They, they did everything that you're supposed to do to raise good kids, you know. But the oldest kid at, at one of his teenage years decided that he, there was a real attraction for him for marijuana. And, uh, I mean, he had, he went from there into, you know, this spiral down, et cetera, et cetera. But here, here's the point. I mean, it's an ugly story, and the poor kid is still, uh, I mean, it's three years later, and it's still going on. He's been to all these treatment centers, and nothing's working. And, and it's. But the thing, um, this man had been a part of a, of a, a church that is a, is, a, is a pretty good church. And um, um, he went to a meeting with it was a parents meeting you know just for the kids in the youth program and um and in the midst of this meeting this father broken hearted wanted to share a part of his pain that he was dealing with over you know, just the disappointment and uh, we did everything right and he's angry at God and, you know, this is not supposed to happen and, you know, there's all kinds of things, we could, ways we can analyze this. But the point is, he said, when I got finished, first of all, not another person spoke. And um, when the meeting was over, not one person spoke to us. Have you seen that 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 trailer for this new uh, Matthew, whatever it is? Uh, go on. Um, uh, this what's that guy's name? Matthew, Matthew Perry's thing. Go on and and um, you know they're gathered around a tree and this this girl who's somewhat unattractive says something about you know mm, and everybody just sits there in silence and she said, oh I thought everybody was supposed to say that or something like. Well, that's the kind of setting. 
From that event, that man and his family was so wounded. So wounded. We've been in this church for 15 years. You know, all this. But at least, rightly or wrongly, I mean, I think at least it is somewhat objective that nobody spoke to him. But he felt so judged. Now, (laughs) of course, you and I, (laughs) we don't have any problematic kids like that. (laughs) Not us. So, I mean, if they just did it like we did it, then they wouldn't have this mess on their hands. There's nothing that does the opposite of oikodome like that kind of judgmental, hypercritical, hyperjudgmental spirit, ladies and gentlemen. And, and let me say just one other thing. Um, if you are, if you are, uh, if that's one of your, <laughs> uh, one of your gigs, one of the things that you are guilty of, um, there is a, there's a statement that uh, the whole world knows in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, that says, judge not lest you be judged. And everybody seems to know that. But what does that mean? Um, you know, if, um, if you go out and have an affair, I've said this before, but some of you haven't been here before. Um, if you go out and have an affair, and I call you an adulterer, that is not a violation of Matthew 7, 1. I'm simply a def- I'm assigning a, a definition to your act. But if you go out and have an affair and I say, well, you know, uh, I know what he was up to. I mean, I know why he had that affair. No, you don't. My, my point is, when you start assigning motives to people's actions, then, ladies and gentlemen, you have violated Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 when you assign motives. You don't know what you're talking about. So you might as well shut up. Um, I'm saying the thing that overturns this house building project, and it comes right from this argument of, of it found in, is this judgmental, hypercritical, severe, you know, and you've heard this, I even hate to say it because it's so hackneyed these days, but this is where the whole term shooting your own, their own wounded came from. Um, which I think you probably know this too, that the first one to ever say that about us was Madeline Murray O'Hare. She's the one that said, oh, it's Christians, they just shoot their own wounded. Well, that's one of the things. Let me, let me move to number two. Um, again, it's coming right from this argument. That is, the things that are the opposite of home building is that they fight over things that simply aren't important. They fight over whether or not you should or shouldn't drink a glass of wine. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have that argument, you need to take that argument someplace else, because we're not going to have it here. That's just a foolish, silly argument. It's just, it's just a waste of time. And I'll tell you the story. I think I did tell a story one time, but this was in when we were still in Ocala, Florida. It was the first minister I uh, was in right out of the seminary. And um, there's this woman who is Hawaiian. She's a neat woman. Her name was Manu. And um, she, was a, she was a veterinarian, actually, and she was a horse doctor. And um, down there, horse doctors are paid quite well because there's more registered thoroughbreds in Marion County than there are human beings. 
for those of you who would like to know that. Um, but anyway, she made quite a handsome living operating on racehorses, on, on, on high-dollar horses. She was a um, newly converted woman, had had all kinds of issues, and came to know the Lord. And, and so, um, um, oh, I don't know, five or six years after she became a Christian, um, we, I don't even know who it was, but somebody gave her the responsibility of going out and finding a, a, um, a covering. I don't even, I'm going to call it a sheet. Okay, it's not a sheet, but I'm going to call it a sheet because I don't know what else to call it. It's a sheet that covers the communion elements. You know, the little glasses and the... Now, we don't, we don't have a sheet here because we're uncircumcised Philistines here at Gracie Band, and we don't have a sheet. We don't have any sheet. Um, and you're not supposed to have a sheet. <laughs> but Manu was assigned the responsibility of buying the sheet. And she went out and bought a very nice linen, expensive thing. But Manu had the abject audacity to buy one of those sheets and it was not white. It was not brown. It was not black. It was not purple. It was off-white. And I'm telling you, you would have thought the woman shot the Pope. Because she bought a sheet that was off-white. And I'm telling you, I saw a man take her head off over the fact that everybody knows that the sheet's supposed to be white. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know what an Instagram was either, you know. But, uh, guys, th that's, that's this... The, one of the arguments that Paul is putting forth here is that there are little things that you people fight over like food and what you drink and, 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 and you know, stop it! That stuff destroys the work of God. It's not okadone, it's the opposite. Whatever that is. Um, here's a third way that destroys the work of God. And again, it's right from this argument. I'm going to add two to it that aren't from this argument, but these two, um, is, is insisting on my own rights. And that's a, that's a peculiar sin of the strong. Those of us who have set, been, have been set free from all that legalism stuff, um, you know, we, we, we know that's foolishness. But there is a tendency on our parts to misuse and abuse our Christian liberty. To, you know, kind of rub it in your face. Well, guys, there again, that's a part of this whole argument that Paul is making here. That, that when, he, when he appeals to us in verse 2 to build each other up, he has also told us what tears each other down. Those are three things that he mentions in this argument. Let me add two just to, his, um, just to those things that are not in this argument. But I, I, I see them, you know, stick up their ugly heads every now and then. Um, jealousy slash envy. You know, I've never been able to figure out what the difference between envy and jealousy is. And I've, I've read book after book, and they always try to, they always try to differentiate between those two. But um, um, you, you know that you know, envy is called the green sin. Um, it makes you green because it makes the rest of us sick. Um, Envy is when we're not celebrating 
your good news, but being happy over your bad news, surely we couldn't be that evil. Surely, surely we couldn't be guilty of that. Of course we are. Of course we are. We, um, we kind of have an inward enjoyment. Somebody else's bad news, but as on the, when on the outside we're, um, we're saying words of sympathy. Um, all, all spawned by jealousy. Um, it's just a, it's just something that is so ugly about us, but it also, it does a, it does a good deal of destruction. Now, let me mention, because I want to get to the thing, I, I have two things that build up, but, um, one other thing that I want you to see in terms of um, um, tearing down or destroying, and it really grows out of uh, Romans chapter 12. So if you've got your Bibles open or your phones are on, um, l- look at Romans 12. Let me read you three quick verses, and, and um, these are very familiar. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Uh, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and per- acceptable and perfect. And here it is. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has, des- has assigned. Now, here, here's my point, guys. If you fail to understand your rightful place in the body of Christ, what it does is... Um, there is there. It, um, we tend towards high-mindedness anyway. So one of the things that helps us um, combat our own high-mindedness is an understanding of the distribution of spiritual gifts by God the Holy Spirit. That is, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Are you gifted? Sure you are. Oh, and by the way, that's what he, that's what he launches into at verse 4 and, and following. He gives a nice little discussion of spiritual gifts. Because what Paul is saying is, if everybody understood this whole spiritual gifts thing, it would really address the high-mindedness that creeps in and, and damages us. If everybody understood that there's a certain interdependence that exists in the body of Christ, then we wouldn't be... Um, we would find a whole lot more unity than we now have. You know, I've said this to you before too, but I'll say it again. You need me. But I need you too. And that's the way the body has been arranged. So that everybody has got a place in it someplace. That is, uh, do not think more highly of yourselves than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, um, with each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. God has assigned you a certain role, a certain place, a certain gift, a certain thing. And if we understood that better, one of the benefits of understanding spiritual gifts is that it tends to create more unity in the Christian church than would be heretofore. So I'm saying, guys, 
One of the things that, that contributes to tearing down the house is not understanding the whole idea of spiritual gifts. So, I mean, um, I, you know, I, like many of you, have had a gut full of all those spiritual gift tests. You know, have you taken one of those? I, I bet you have. I bet you've taken 15 of them. But, um, uh, you know, they're helpful in some ways. But the whole concept is so enriching for the people of God. Just to know that I don't have all the gifts, and neither do you. And so we need each other, you know? Okay, those are, those are, those are five things. Uh, let me, I'll just, um, a hypercritical spirit, um, this, this whole idea of fighting over things that are small, that aren't important, insisting on my own rights, that I'm going to have my, my, way, my rights or not, uh, jealousy slash envy, and a, and a um, poor understanding of the, of the nature of spiritual gifts and how they enhance the body. Okay, those are five things. Five things that I that I I'm saying, um, whatever this destroy the work of God is, those five things do it. But what we're called to in verse two is please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Now, what is it that builds him up? I I only have two things to mention, and they're kind of broad, particularly the second one. But um. um Here's the first one, ladies and gentlemen, that, that tends to build up instead of destroy. We keep short accounts of sin. Guys, um, I want to guarantee you something. If you get to know me very well, I'm going to offend you. Um, I'm just obnoxious that way. You know what? You are too. I can promise you that there is going to be offenses given to you. I can promise you. Because you live in a fallen world and you're in a room full of fallen people who are so scarred and so ravaged by the fall. They hate to admit that. They don't like anybody to know that. But they are. That I can guarantee you there's going to be things that you're going to, that, that are just going to, just going to annoy the dickens out of you. I started to say something early, uglier than that, but my wife would hear about it and then I would be in trouble. So um, I can promise you, I can, I can almost promise you that something like that's going to happen before you leave here tonight. Because there's plenty of people that can just So one of the things guys that we've got to learn is how to keep short accounts of sin which requires forgiveness. And I would say to you in terms of any relationship, marriage or just living in a church along with some other weird people, one of the things that you're going to have to become a master of is forgiveness. Um, and thus you keep short accounts of sin. L let me say this, and I only got seven minutes left, but let me say this. Um, forgiveness, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, is a crisis. Let's all agree that the goal is that we forgive. Okay? There's the crisis. We've, we've, we've gotten past there. Now, 
Forgiveness is a process. Then, then it takes a while to, you know, to, to take Scripture and apply it to my wicked heart and say, stop that and, you know, don't do that and you've got to give that up and yada, yada. It takes a while to kind of let the dust settle. But first of all, it starts in a crisis where we all have to realize hmm, we are called to this. This is no option. This is not the choice that you have. You are called to forgive. It's a crisis, and we say, okay, God, I am going to forgive that offense. Now, it might be a while before you're really enjoying the forgiveness, but we all got to agree on the goal. And the goal is we're going to keep short accounts, and I'm going to forgive because I am, it is my duty as one who belongs to Jesus Christ. I will forgive. And I'm going to forgive you when you offend me, eventually. <laughs> I'm going to forgive you. It's a, it's, a, it's a crisis and it's a process. But one of the things that leads to more oikodome is that is people keeping short accounts of sin. We have short memories about how many times we got offended. Um, and and I, I, I'm probably the one that you have to forgive the most. I'm probably the one that you have to say, oh, he did it again. He's such an obnoxious slob. Um, okay, take it out on me, but gang, gang. That's something we got to agree to, okay? If, if we don't, don't want to tear it down and we want to build it up or each other, then we got to agree on that, that we're going to keep short accounts. Um, I'll give you a week. Course, I just made that up. Um, that doesn't exist anywhere in this book. But um, I, it is a process. It is a process where we keep taking it back and taking it back and saying, "No, I can't hold on to this. I got to give it up." All right. These are two things that contribute to this. One is one keeping a short account of sin, and, and number two, gang in the New Testament. There is, and I forget how many, and I think the various books differ on the amount of them but there are about i'm just going to use a figure there are about 18 one another commands um love one another forgive one another uh rebuke one another you know there's like 18 of those things that exist in the new testament so one of the things that would contribute to oikodome is obedience to the one another commands. Uh, there's a book entitled One Anothering. That I am committed um, to do all that one anothering stuff. Let me, just, um, let me just mention three of them. Three of them that would go a long way in oikodome. Number one. Submitting one to the other. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21. We hate to submit. It doesn't come natural, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <clears throat> you couldn't find a worse example than me. Um, you know, I was in the military for a while, um, and I, I was a I was a cadet major, United States Air Force, and you know I got my commission and. I uh, got my bars and everything, and then they kicked me out, and I was medically disqualified. Um, 
But I remember, I remember every Memorial Day, we had to line up and we had to, um, we had to walk in this parade in Knoxville. And um, there was this, there was this group of girls in that, that you know, that we call the Angel Flight. And uh, the Angel Flight was the girls, and they had these cute little blue outfits. And of course, we had very handsome uh, blue outfits too. <laughs> Um, and uh, so we had to meet at like 8 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock in the morning to be bused down to this place where we were going to have this parade with, uh, you know, for Memorial Day. And I'm all, I'm, I'm okay with the parade, <laughs> but I wanted to ride with the girls down to the, down to the, you know, the starting place. And, and this, this guy, I mean, I was a cadet major and he was a cadet colonel. I mean, you know, he was a year ahead of me and, and uh, he told me to get off that bus with the girls and get on the bus with the boys. Well, I'm, I'm, Far more of a sister than I am a brother, uh, but anyway, um, in a certain sense of that word, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm more attracted. And, uh, okay, I want to settle that right now. I mean, uh, let me say this one more time: there are all of the sins about you have to worry about except two. One is homosexuality, and the other is anorexia. Those two you do not about me. But but anyway, the the idea that some some punky little guy a year older than me that would come up to me and tell me to get off that bus and get on another bus. This goes all through me. That was 40 years ago. And I still have that struggle. You do too, don't you? You women have any problem with that? I mean, you can twist the New Testament all you want to. It still says, wives, submit. And, I, and we make no apologies for that around here. Um, how about this one? Forbearing with one another. Uh, that's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, if I can... Yeah. Forbearing. Do you know to forbear with one another means there's got to be something over which you must forbear? That means there's something that's happened that has been irritating. So, if that's not there, you can't do this. So you can only do this when that's there. I'm here to tell you that's there. So, the New Testament addresses you. It addresses us. Forbear one another. Here's my last one, and i got one minute. Um, speak... No evil of one another. James chapter 4, verse 11. So y'all stop talking about me. <laughs> Guys, um, obeying those one another in commands. Build up. Keeping short accounts of sin. Builds up. Jealousy and fighting over inconsequentials and insisting on my rights and hypercritical spirit and not understanding my role as a gifted believer, that all tears down. So at least you know, at least you know that um, if you do those things, you're contributing to destruction. If you do these other two, you're contributing to construction. Father, we recognize that these, uh, these ethical demands that are made on us are, 
are oh so beyond us. And so we ask that you would grant us grace. Um, not that we would ever arrive at perfect obedience, but we can sure do better than we're doing. And would you enable us all to heed these admonitions of the scriptures, not because they earn us one blasted thing, because Jesus earned everything that we needed to reconcile us with you. But they do make for a more beautiful bride, a more beautiful church, a more enjoyable place to worship. Would you, would you make these hallmarks of this place that is called Grace Van? We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Thank you and good night.